The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by all of my awesome co-hosts. Laura Nash. Nate Heininger. And Shane Kelly. And this week is Game of the Year. It's the last week of the year, more or less. We did it. podcast calendar. And uh, we did it. It's We're the here. end of 2022. We're going to be awarding things. We're going to be talking about our game of the year and all the superlatives all the great games of the year and Um, joining us for this episode al pacino thank you for being here al pacino proceeds to read 20 ads for games (laughs) that are not short so we're gonna skip his section thank you we we did cut al pacino's section he was in studio with us but uh it just didn't work out so Mm -mm. games are too long yep at the risk of, uh, of of making what's probably going to be a relatively long episode a little longer, uh, this is only our second episode wherein we have the new segment at the top of the show that is yet nameless, where Reagan asks a vaguely gaming-related question uh, for banter purposes. Uh, and I thought I'd go ahead and do it's that so now. smooth the way this is just, you rolled mm-hmm. this out. I know, yeah. I know. That this intro was just flawless. Yeah, sometimes you gotta, you just gotta force it if you're trying to trying to get good banter. That's how you get banter is you force it. Mm-hmm. That's what mm. they always say. Uh, so my question to you all: uh, We're coming up on New Year's, and uh, what old gaming acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind this year? What uh, what is it? What is the thing? <laughs> what is, the what is this question? <laughs> what, yes, the question. The <laughs> so question is, are is, you asking if I've forgotten a game? Oh no. no, no. What game did I forget? You didn't let me finish. You didn't let me finish. I was doing a bit. I think you just let yourself finish. Uh, I what what uh, what's the thing that what's a thing that used to be a thing in gaming that you haven't thought of in a long time, maybe even all year or longer. It is quite hard to on the spot think of something you haven't thought about all year. For the record. Um, we haven't. I, I'll give you one. I feel like, uh, and I know this is an older take, but I feel like it might be completely dead at this point. the The whole like dad thing in video games seems to be kind of done. I know Ragnarok mm. just came out, and I haven't played that, and that's still like big dad vibes. But I felt like everything was dad vibes for a little while, and uh, didn't play a lot of indie games centered around. Uh, bad or sad dads this year i think part of the reason i was thinking about this was that that this year was the first time i've seen a big head mode in a game in a long 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 time um with uh with pentiment which was partly made me think think about this you know Mm. big head modes have vanished from the scene uh and uh, and i and i miss them a little it's nice to see one poke its gigantic head uh out Another that I was thinking about was that we haven't seen uh, many games doing like uh, other than live service games. We don't see those things where you like boot up a game and like the menu is Christmas themed because you're playing it on Christmas or other other stuff like that. Oh, where they just update the game for that. Yeah, moment. yeah or it just has a little different thing for you, depending on the calendar date on your system clock or whatever. That's a thing that I miss. I, I miss mini games. I wish more games today would just drop you into just like a full size mini game. There was like tiny ounces of that in in some of my favorite games of the year this year. And it was a bit of a blast from the past. The fishing in uh, the Forgotten Lands. That that is actually kind of full of mini games. It had the thing with the... I try to remember the name of this, the the mode, big suck mode. What is what is that thing called? That's not what <laughs> they call it. I don't I know. Think it, it, no, it it's big suck mode. Big suck mode, where oh. where Kirby yeah. does a big suck on a thing. What do you call that? Shane, help me out here. You played like a hundred hours of that game. What was it called? I, I've, I, yeah, I, I have, and I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, the whole audio, thing. Everybody. This game had a whole thing where, like, your mouth oh, would go on yeah. a thing. Mouth, mouthful mode, Reagan. That was the mouthful mode where Kirby gets his big mouth full of cars and things. Yeah, I think each of those. The point I was trying to make with each of those felt a little bit like its own mini game because they were all different. We've got big head mode. We've got big suck mode. Yes. Uh, 
definitely trends to keep yeah. track of in 2023. <laughs> well, never brought to mind indeed. I guess we'll leave it there. This is our Game of the Year episode. I'm excited to talk about the star-studded list of games wow. that we we played this year. Excellent stuff. Last year we had uh we've changed our format a little bit. We actually end up sort of having a new format every year for this. We've kind of kind of never really firmly f- decided new year, on new how format. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Well, Game awards are inherently kind of problematic, but they're fun to do. So we keep trying to mess around with the thing until we can find the thing that feels best for our format. So I yeah. think we we I think we've got something pretty good for you this year, though. Yeah, I think we kind of figured it out last year, actually. So we yeah. kind of stuck with last year's mode. We used to do like ranked lists and numbering. We used to do all kinds of gamified stuff to try to like figure out what was what was the fourth place game of the year. Now we're kind of done with that. So uh, what we did this year is uh, uh, had a little session where we all talked about our lists and we kind of compared them and we picked from that a single short game, Game of the Year. And then the games that we all loved and that we wanted to award in some other way, we have a list of superlatives, just like your high school yearbook. Uh, same sort of thing we did last year. We have a few returning categories from last year and we have some new ones. Uh, so, And what is returning may surprise you. Wow. Uh, so first, getting it out of the way, let's talk about the short game game of the year the best game of the year i think well we think it's not just you it is a communal decision reagan right well i mean sort of along the lines of like this was at the top of my personal list i know it wasn't on everybody's i mean it was on everybody's list it wasn't the top of everybody's list was it on the top of everyone's list (laughs) i have a different game that was my number one but uh, you know it's and so did shane i think i think Mm. that's this game though was my number two to be fair and also i think when we one of the things that we take into consideration here is like not just like our favorite game of the year but best like short game like what is this show trying to celebrate Mm. what is this show trying to highlight and while my game i had there's another game that ultimately i think it was like my favorite game of the year that I put as number one. Easily to me, this game is the game of the year for us. Yeah. Well, sorry, enough enough being coy. We're talking about immortality. Uh, immortality from now sort of legendary game develop, developer, director, writer, etc. Sam Barlow and his team. This is the second game from his newly, I guess, or I still say newly named, his Half Mermaid studio. Uh, and... I mean, we did two episodes on Immortality. It was a wild game this year. Um, you know, we the developer of Her Story and uh, Telling Lies, uh, and now Immortality, I think, has surpassed all of those. It's truly an incredible game. The cinematography was great. Uh, the story, the you know discovery angle of like finding the secrets within the game. Everything about it was was. Just absolutely my favorite thing I've played this year. And for me, a thing I look for in Game of the Year, I can't always get it, but I like Game of the Year to be one that I recommend widely to people who don't normally play games. Yes. And I I get to say, you know, I, I threw out, the, I ran to the Twin Peaks channel at work and was like, everyone go play Immortality. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely you want to you want to suggest it to everyone, mm-hmm. but I don't know that it's for everyone. No, also. but it is for the people who love Twin Peaks. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I, I imagine there's a fair amount of people who, in time, will bounce off of this game, and I think there was some some of that going around whenever it, it came out. It's a it's an incredibly unique play style, and mm-hmm. the story uh, is Sam Barlow at his most um, creative and. Uh, and wild and i i mean you know i so i've recommended it to a lot of people too but i can see a world where people make mm. it's a different kind yeah. of challenge than you yeah. know if you're coming at this from a sort of gamery angle like it's a different kind of challenge than a lot of people are going to be used to um but as far as being able to recommend it it definitely helps be to be able to recommend it to everybody that this is now a since we recorded this is now a game that you just get as part of your netflix subscription if you have one right. of those so you know if you are recommending games to the non-gamers in your life being able to tell them like hey you have netflix right you can download this on your iphone or ipad or android device um that's that's a big plus um and it's also a game i think would work fine on those platforms i i hope it gets a lot of attention there i don't know what kind of you know 
fat stacks Sam Barlow and his team are are getting from Netflix. I hope it's I hope they get a lot of money. But um I am I'm glad to see it so widely available to people because I think it's such a cool experience. This this game also for a game that is short and like meets the kind of thing we're looking for on this show, it is a game with absolutely staggering depth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely everything in the game is working on multiple levels. The actors and actresses are playing actors and actresses playing characters with then beyond that often multiple levels beneath um it establishes its own cinematic universe uh that plays off of you know tropes across all of like cinema history so if you know someone who's a cinephile this is a thousand percent the the game for them so you'll know who this game is for like, and if you have the sense that this game is for them, I'm so glad it's so accessible on like game pass, uh, Netflix and everything like th- this really is a treat and, and everybody should be checking this out if it appeals to them at all. Yep. People have been petitioning to get this released on letterboxd. <laughs> That's how much of it is. <laughs> I didn't know that. Now I have to go vote on all of those movies. That's awesome. <laughs> well, yes. all three of them are in on IMDb, um, mm-hmm. with, uh, um, shoot, I can't remember the actress's name. Um, uh, Maria Marcel. Menon Gage, I think. Yeah. Oh, Mar- or Marissa yeah, Marcel. Menon Gage is the is the the real woman who plays yeah. Marissa Marcel is like credited as it, it's like on IMDb, you know, on each film as if it was a real film, which is that's funny. A lot of fun. uh, honestly, that's good. I think you know she should. I hope it helps her uh, helps her film career. I, you know, I think it would be a shame if because from what I understand, your your IMD is basically your like Resume. your your LinkedIn if you're a if you're a film actor. So. Yeah, I I really hope that she she, she was fantastic. It. Yeah, I mean everyone was, but obviously the the she's the the center of the show, and um, I thought that was one of the best parts of the game was her performance. It's compelling and interesting across three different fake movies. So I mean, uh, I'll also just say like if you dream about a game, it probably should be up for game of the year. So. <laughs> This definitely worked its way into my subconscious for a while there. Yeah, it was yeah. when when we were playing this. Obviously, we did, we did two episodes on it, and uh, for the entire like two plus weeks that we were talking about and covering this game, it was like the only thing that I thought about the entire time. It was constantly there. Um, so, congratulations, Immortality! Woo. You are the short game game of the year. Now on to our other awards. We have some new and returning award categories and. Uh, Starting it off, uh, Laura, why don't you introduce the next one? We're given best puzzles to Tunic because, quite frankly, it has some of the best puzzles I've played in years. Um, the game is a puzzle. There's puzzles in puzzles and puzzles. The collectibles are puzzles. Everything is a puzzle. Tunic is The fantastic. manual is a puzzle. The manual is a puzzle. The save game system is a puzzle, sort of. What is this game about <laughs> is a puzzle. For those who haven't played, Tunic is a game where... You wake up as a very Link-like fox uh, in a little outfit, and you don't know what's going on, and you wander around the game trying to figure out the game. It's Everything's in a foreign language. You don't understand anything. So when I give it best puzzles, it's a, I mean, the whole world is something to explore. And we say every game is explorable. This one is truly an empty slate you do not know what you are getting into and i think that is just delightful um it made me play a dark souls like game that's how good the puzzles are yep yeah specifically i want to say the golden path as a puzzle is the best puzzle i've played in years Yes, superlative to that one particularly. But absolutely, I- yeah. And it's one of the games that like I'm I'm most pleased and a little bit proud to have finished this year. Like mm-hmm. I was really I really had a wonderful time with it. Um and uh yeah, apart from the puzzles, like you know, Laura said it is a, a souls like game, so it has some draw for people who like that style of gameplay, but it's also very accessible for one of those. I think it's probably the most accessible. I mean, there's probably easier souls likes out there, but it's one of the most accessible uh souls likes there mm-hmm. is. Um and the puzzles are definitely a huge draw. So Tunic, amazing game, a little long, <laughs> which is why we didn't really strongly consider it for our, our top slot game of the year position, because it's a little longer than we like to cover. It doesn't really, it, it's an amazing game. It doesn't quite as much feel like a short game game, but dang, do the puzzles ever whip. And it respects uh, your time, but it isn't super short. So yeah, 
I want to talk about um, one of my favorite games this year. We have created a new category, Best Choices, and we are awarding it to Citizen Sleeper. Citizen Sleeper is basically an interactive fiction game. Um, we covered it uh, earlier this year with, a, I just absolutely adored Citizen Sleeper. It was a really terrific uh, sort of narrative forward game. There's, It's almost entirely narrative oriented. Um, it has... Uh, incredibly tough choices about like building a new life and building community and making choices about how to uh, you know, how to be in the world and how to live and how to, how to survive under capitalism. Um, And it's uh, it it has characters and situations that have just absolutely haunted me um, and just really also a great fun story. Um, Good big ideas, sci-fi, uh, I think Citizen Sleeper is one of the best games of the year. I absolutely loved it. And uh, I am happy to award it our best choices uh, category. There's There are specific choices in it that I absolutely dearly loved and would love to talk about, but they're all spoilers. So I will leave it to you to go back to our episode and listen to that where we talk about some of the things that happened. But there's just so many little like little just story moments in this game that feel like little explosions like it's awesome. So uh, I still haven't played the DLC. Really looking forward to going back and, and playing that. And that might be something we do as an episode, uh, like maybe in the coming year, because there there was like, I think the third part of its th- three part additional narrative DLC that's kind of like a mini sequel um, as already as I think I think all three parts are now out, um, or at least the first two. So uh, looking forward to going back and exploring more of that. Yeah, I'll take the the next one here. So um I was not on this episode, but I did play this game. Um, and we thought a lot of different things on what, on how do we, how do we single out one thing from this game, a game that I think we all universally loved. And ultimately, it's come down to this. We're awarding Pentiment the award of best writing. I think when you ultimately boil everything down about that game, what worked and what was awesome about it, it does come down to the, and the we writing. Are specifically talking about the handwriting. No other yes. ca- <laughs> no <laughs> other qualities. The typographic choices, yeah. which are excellent, but also the words. The word choices. Well, I and, mean, they're fine, but have you seen the handwriting in this it, game? It is great. Um, we are joking. We are. It's an award well, it, for both. It's both. It's yes. both. Why not both? Um, I think you know. To me, the writing really shines in all of the different ways that you can play your main character and all of the different choices that you have. And like for me, I played as a rapscallion. So I had all sorts of very funny and interesting choices to make um, that were all built around the writing. And so uh, I think there's a lot that we've already said about this game, but um, best writing going to Pentiment. Congratulations, Pentiment. I love that game. Man, I just want to see their branching narrative uh, diagrams. I think they must be absolutely off the wall bonkers good. Absolutely. I also just like, you know, encompassed in writing is like the fact that this is a game with one of the most unique settings I've ever seen. And it captures a world and worldview that, you know, is our world, but also through this like this like level of estrangement that you know the 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 strange the strange world of living in the middle ages with just like a a totally different idea of how the world works captured in this game uh wrapping in some of the important historical details great character beats and character moments you know the uh, you know high school writing 101 like foreshadowing and stuff uh great mystery like it it just it was an incredibly well written game on every level like i really really love pentiment and i would encourage people to check it out i think if i were making I mean, on my own personal list, this ended up being forced down a few slots because there are some absolutely, absolute incredible bangers this year. But like, this has been such a good game, such a good year for narrative games. And Pentiment coming in pretty late in the year, um, you know, raised the bar yet again. It was really an astonishing game. And how often do you get games with this kind of story? Like, you never get games set in the Middle Ages about like like well a lot of themes but like with all these specific like uh world details and stuff about like uh, religious debates and they often just steal the art and don't steal the richness of the world and that makes a big difference to me 
I felt like I legitimately learned a lot playing this game also. Just like I felt like I kind of had a, a new understanding of a of a period of time. And I know it's fictionalized and it's not exactly what the world was like then, but I think there was some care given to recreating that time period. Yeah, sometimes people talk about like the power of games to let you live another life, to experience a world unlike your own and 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 you get to experience either guys with guns or wizards or people who can jump fairly high like this is this is like this is like a a setting and type of of worldview and everything that's just so different from anything else i've ever played that was what what really struck me about it well speaking of worlds unlike our own uh Mm -hmm. i i i want to give an a world an award to uh possibly the worst world ever (laughs) (laughs) uh we're giving worst location to the ocean of blood on alien moon at5 uh that is from the the game iron lung uh i i i loved this game uh it genuinely like freaked me out in a way that i wasn't expecting given the, the the it was my first interaction with uh games from uh this i think maybe a new shining short game star david sismanski we've done i don't know that we've had somebody else where we had uh, two of their games in one year uh, uh pop up uh like this uh, on the show and 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 the 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 world of iron lung is um revolting and nihilistic and uh terrifying all at once and uh God, I mean, there's, there's some real scares down there, uh, and you're not getting out. So, uh, you know, settle in and uh, you know, weld the weld the uh, weld the vessel shut well, and uh, and hopefully you'll you'll survive uh, for an hour or two. Yeah, also my first interaction with his games, although like he's more well known for uh, for for Dusk, the sort of first person shooter, which I'm excited to play especially now that we've also played chop goblins and had a taste of that side of his his work but like what an introduction like like incredible scary like why didn't we save that for october for when we never ever get to do a scary game well because we couldn't wait to play it and that was honestly right we heard a lot of folks you know say you play this weird game it's under an hour which is catnip to us and and then when we played it we were all freaked out um the fact that in the middle of summer um we were scared in our living rooms of this game um very i mean i would never want to be here like the fact that i even had to look through a um through the submarine camera system just to take pictures of things like i hated taking pictures outside like that's how bad the location is this is by far the worst location of the year and i don't think it's going to get topped in the future years uh creators the gauntlet has been thrown yeah, I was not on that episode, and I kind of am glad. I don't need an ocean of blood in my life right now. Well, what do you need, Nate? Well, it is truly an honor to give out this next award. Now, this is a new one, but I hope it's not the last time we give this one out. Um, it's a pretty broad category, so I think some other things are going to fit into it. So this category is best 10-year-old game to come back as a remaster, but is secretly a whole new game. The Last of Us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is Stanley Parable Deluxe Edition. Uh, what a delight this was. This We talk about games that you recommend. Uh, Stanley Parable is still a game that I recommend pretty frequently to people who uh, ask for game recommendations. I'm like, a lot of times it will start with, you know, have you played Stanley Parable? And now <laughs> there's a whole new world for Stanley Parable fans to enjoy and new fans alike. Uh, I love what they did with the game, like calling it a, uh, a deluxe edition. And then there's secretly again, a full basically sequel to the game that is about the game inside of the game. That is a game inside of a game. It it's perfect. It's so funny. It maintained its humor, brought it back, but in a, slightly different way that made it still it made it feel fresh and not just like a rehash of the same thing they did 10 years ago uh it was incredible and was in my like probably i think top three games of the year and uh i I loved it it seemed impossible to do a sequel to the stanley parable um just 
just the the entire idea of like returning to this felt like it would be completely impossible and yet they came up with like the cleverest possible way to do yeah. a sequel to this game and it was it was basically perfect i i absolutely loved it and it's also great that like now there is this modern you know version of the game that you can just recommend to people you don't have to say go play the 10 year old version on steam or whatever or like hope the console version is still listed or still works like uh, or has been ported to modern systems you just say the stanley parable deluxe edition is the version of the game to play it will yep. ask them when they first start up the game whether it they are new to the game or whether they're like returning after having played the original stanley parable and it will give them a perfect experience uh even if they've never touched the game before, but it is also like functions as a sequel. It's a, it's great. It's, it's an incredible way to do a sequel. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. So and it's funny. It's so freaking funny. It's so it's funny. So funny. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's, I, it is perfect, Reagan. I mean, what more could you ask from it? It's perfect. 10 out of 10, no notes. Yeah. Ah, now I'm starting to starting to question our, our game of the year. Uh, but <laughs> no, no, we're not we're not going back. We're not going back. It's close, but it's not. We're not doing that. But what a segue! Going back, going back. <laughs> um, on the short game, we cover games that are not from this year. Sometimes, actually, more often than not, some years. But it's not all about 2022. Despite this being game of the year, we got to give it up to games that were not created distributed this year so uh the late to the party best of before award goes to tux and fanny which made our springs so much weirder and more delightful and uh for those who haven't played this tux and fanny um is a strange little game of mini games you are exploring a world the idea is that you are trying to get a um just get a soccer ball reinflated so you can play soccer. And then you go on. That's all they want to do. They just want to play soccer. tangents. You are bird watching. You are looking at bugs. You are playing as a cat. You are going inside an intestine. You don't know what you're going to do next. And that is the point of Tux and Fanny. And it is just an endless uh, structured surprise train. Um, I really love Tux and Fanny. Me too. I did too. I, and it took me like this is a game that sometimes you know on first at first play first half hour maybe hour even maybe a little bit longer i was like what what is this what am i playing and why am i playing it it was cute but i i it took me a little while to get into it and by the time i finished the game i was like this is one of my favorite games that we've done on this show and i was watching the the stuff online and like finding the whole tux and fanny verse uh the tfu i suppose um it's it's a strange little game that i love so much yeah since we played since we played the game for the show i've also watched the other tux and fanny media this game is sort of a companion piece to a film slash i guess series of videos sort of web native film animation uh that uh you know is also hilarious, featuring the same characters, similar art style, just really wild, bizarre scenarios. And um, that was great. Uh, but uh, like the game has also now come out in more places. When we first played it, it was only out on the Nintendo Switch and itch.io, which was a kind of a first, kind of an unusual launch strategy there. But it's out on Steam now, too. Um, I think it might have come to other consoles. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, so it's more available if you want to check it out. Uh, and I think more people should. I don't know, like, you know, I don't know if Tux and Fanny set the world on fire, uh, but I think it's an incredible, weird, wonderful game that's just full of great ideas and little bizarre experiences. And, you know, if you don't like what you're seeing, wait five minutes and you'll be seeing something totally different. It's uh, it's great. So highly recommend Tux and Fanny for sure. And uh, best of before award or late to the party award goes to Tux and Fanny. I have uh, one more game that I want to kind of talk about here because really I wasn't able to be on the episode for this one and I've, I've regretted it a lot. Uh, the, the game is the most replayable award. Most replayable goes to vampire survivors. 
Uh, yes, Vampire Survivors. I know. I know Nate has put a lot of hours in. This was at the top of Nate's list of of best games. Uh, to to briefly explain why I love it, because I have not had a chance to talk about it at all. Uh, I just love this game for its simplicity and the way that it manages to take um, things that I generally don't like, like uh, you know, collecting stuff and um, I don't know, uh, just grinding, uh, and turn it into something that is feels completely new and com- like a like a completely new synthesis of game concepts and i know it's going to be comp- copied a billion times probably already has been uh why was yeah. this your top game nate well on that point you know there's uh a thought that this is now going to make survivor like games and that mm. this genre this is a new this is the start of a new genre and so i think there's a possibility that of all the games that came out this year vampire survivors ends up being the most impactful of the of all of them it's so strange because it's not like it's i mean it's, it's a good game and it's not but it's also not like it, it has new ideas but it's all it's they're all just subtle tweaks on existing ones like nothing here it feels like totally uh totally revolutionary or new right. but it's this specific combination of ideas the auto firing the like just like mostly it's just like hey what if we did this style of thing but made you auto fire is like the big uh, the big innovation here, but it's like, it works on this. It's like, it, it just hit on a perfect combination. I think it's the in, incredibly concise power fantasy that comes from this game mm-hmm. because every game takes, it will not go longer than a, than a half an hour at 30 minutes. Uh, death spawns and kills you. And outside of a, a funny glitch thing that you can do, there's no avoiding it. Um, so you have exactly 30 minutes to get as powerful as you possibly can. And you get to the point at the beginning where you are incredibly squishy and it's easy. You're easy to kill and you're avoiding the bad guys and you're trying to weave around and get your collection to get your proper weapons and level up your weapons and you're, you're surviving. And then 15 minutes later, you are a insane powerhouse that has <laughs> yes like assuming you, know, you survive the 15 yeah. minutes because that was my whole experience with this game for the first couple of days i was playing it was i can't survive more than 10 minutes yeah well it takes a little while and then eventually you get over that hump where because it has a it it has a long running leveling up system to where you are actually making permanent upgrades to your survivor so that you do just become stronger and once you reach a certain point in that game most likely you're getting to the 30 minute cap every time and it becomes more of like an experimentation game where you're like oh i've never done these weapon combos before what is it like with that or they've been they've added a ton of content since we played the game for the show it just had his first paid dlc uh which just came out called the legacy of the moon yep. spell which i haven't even touched the game in a while but i immediately bought that dlc because it's like yeah. under two dollars and i was like i'm gonna want to check that out sometime yeah so they're adding a lot more objectives a lot more um collectibles a lot more things to to try to do in these levels but at the end of the day it's like i want to get in to this game and within 15 20 minutes of playing it i'm destroying tens of thousands of bad guys per minute uh and it's just a ton of fun and it it it's a like you know we've talked we talked about recently the like multitasking game it's a really good game for playing while maybe listening to a podcast or you know watching you know i guess like kind of watching a show like a, a lot of people like to do you know it's it's really good and i think the steam deck has helped that as well because it is mm-hmm. like perfect for Steam Deck. That came of, out not long before the Steam Deck started arriving in people's hands. It, it felt did. sort of like Kismet. It just sort of came out at the same time. Yeah, and it kind of like it revived it for me. I'd been kind of done playing it. I played it a ton back when we covered it. And then I got my Steam Deck over the summer and was like, well, what should I play on Steam Deck? And I think the first thing I played on my Steam Deck was Vampire Survivors because it was it was perfect. So it was. Um, yeah. I love this the, game. The last thing I want to say about the game is uh, I think the the main thing that's responsible for its success um, is the fact that it is just this rare combination of 
mechanically simple and uh, mechanically deep. You know, it's it's incre- the the depth of the mechanical interactions in the game are incredible. And if you watch different people playing the game or talk about it with with friends, almost no two people approach the game with the same build or strategy. Um, people really just it's a it's an incredible playground. And to do that in a game that gives so that applies so much simplicity you know the sprites are simple the the controls are simple uh everything about the game is simple uh and as that kind of expands out and you explore the depth that is kind of hidden behind that simplicity that is an incredible feeling and that's what i really uh loved about the game i don't know if that is something that can be repeated um i it it, it feels like it has to be very very carefully designed i i don't know uh, maybe these, uh, so we'll see if that turns into a new genre, like you guys were saying. Well, let's see, Nate, I, I, I had, a, a, what, let's get back to you. Cause we have one more of these, uh, that we want to cover. And I know it's something you wanted to highlight. This is a game I had to highlight. Uh, there's a couple of awards that I could give it, but first and foremost, best slicing and dicing goes to slice and dice uncontested uncontested <laughs> what a game uh, i another the award only slicing and dicing game <laughs> that we played this year i think so and i have to give it another award too this one um you know we'll we'll see if it ever happens again but best game to release a massive overhaul to it like two hours after we finished recording our episode on it. The most out of date and instantaneously yeah. out of date this game came this game is from 2021 and so we it had been out for like a year and several months before we played it. We recorded our episode, and then, like three hours after we got done recording, <laughs> the worst they see it's a soul developer. They like silently or or un, no no one knew it was coming. At least no one out just in the fan. We base didn't knew it was know, coming. or we wouldn't have recorded yeah, the episode that right. Week. <laughs> they released two version two point which is a considerable expansion of the game and is fantastic and addresses a few of the things that we talked about on the episode. It's remarkable. Our timing best slicing and dicing and best troll of yeah, this it's, podcast. It's incredible. So, uh, but anyway, that game is, uh, you know, you know, I love the dice rolling roguelike mechanics mm-hmm. Um it's one of the best like this could get best ui or best like visual um representation of mechanics it, it, this game was you know in everything that it was trying to do it was perfect simple repeatable fun um kind of funny in an interesting way um and mechanically complex and i i still play it from time to time and i can't recommend it enough Awesome. Well, we have a few returning categories in our awards this year. Uh, You might remember some of these categories from last year. Some of them are returning from many years, and others are new categories we invented last year and are uh, applying to games from this year. So I'll turn it over to Shane for the first one. Yeah, you got it. Uh, The first category here is Best Mario. What is a Best Mario? I think you know it when you see it. Um, our best Mario of the year this year is Kirby <laughs> from Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Wow. Such a good Mario. Kirby, come on down. That's a Mario. That's a Mario. Uh, Kirby is a small round pink Mario. And uh, the best thing about this game, honestly, is how it it marries both approachability. Mario's. And just... Uh, <laughs> uh with sorry with just an incredible level of, never apologize for being who you are Nate. Uh, fun for all ages this is truly a fun game um so i am very very i i wanted to um i wanted to get bandana waddle d onto the list here uh, i don't think he made it so i uh, i will mention him here now as well he was he was also very much appreciated as a uh, as a secondary mario Art also arguably a Mario. Uh, yeah, I really liked uh, that game. It didn't quite make my list because I didn't play it for hundreds of hours with my child the way that you did, Shane. Mm. But Kirby of the Forgotten Land 
great game this year and the only yeah. uh nintendo game on our our uh, list this year and i will say when i went to ask uh hey my seven-year-old niece is getting uh switch light what should i re- give them just every single person in the discord just wrote kirby the forgotten world <laughs> kirby the forgotten world like by the fourth i was like okay okay i get it i get the recommendation <laughs> it's the right choice for it for a right kid choice. it's a phenomenal game um, we have a an award we've given many times over the years, and that uh, that is the dirt bag of the year. I think thinking back over the history of our absolutely probably the most important award we give every year. Let's be honest. The I think that, think it originated with May from Night in the Woods, mm-hmm. and I think we've had a dirt bag of the year every year and since. It took a while for that dirt bag to be a human. <laughs> That's yep, true. The, uh, uh, last for context, last year's dirtbag of the year was the unseen uh, dirtbag boyfriend from Unpacking. Mm-hmm. Um, other notable dirtbags of over the years: uh, the goose from Untitled Goose Game, probably uh, the most uh, embodying the spirit of the dirtbag of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a few nominations this year, and they all have their points as uh, as a dirtbag. I will nominate the first one, uh, and that is from our most recent game of Chop Goblins. <laughs> Chop Dur- Goblins are definitely dirt bags. They have one hundred percent dirt bag energy. They they scream around. They run around saying, "Give me the cheese," and I want to stab. I want and to cut. I want to cut. And I mean, what more do you need from your dirt bags? goblins goblin mode it's a whole thing right now chop goblins fantastic candidate to be our uh our our dirtbag of the year yes but we have two other uh nominations for dirtbag of the year i nominated stanley uh from uh the stanley parable he's not always a dirtbag sometimes he's just a good boy you know you're you're he's your first person protagonist you don't see his face he just sort of is um, but there's a certain dirtbag nature to the way he interacts with the narrator uh, when the narrator gives you uh, clean, clear instructions uh, and asks you to do something in quite a pleasant British voice and you do exactly the opposite thing 10 times out of 10. Uh, that, I believe, is dirtbag behavior. The game wouldn't exist if Stanley weren't a dirtbag. Exactly. So I, I nominated Stanley, uh, but we gave it to our third nominee. I am very pl- proud to award Dirtbag of the Year to Ambrosio uh, from <laughs> Immortality, as played that by Robert guy. Jones, as played by Miles Santo. Uh, so thank you, Ambrosio, uh, for just really spiraling into pure dirtbag evil. And yes. thank you for to the costume and hair and makeup departments for making the actor who plays Ambrosio the physical embodiment of the picture. Like, when you think the word dirtbag, you see this face. Yeah, and he just becomes more and more dirtbaggy throughout the run. Obviously, it's told out of sequence, depending on how you access your clips, but you do get a really clear uh, picture of uh, the descent into dirtbaggery of this uh, this Catholic priest. This priest! priest. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I think Shane Shane said Ambrosio, and I think we all immediately nodded and said, "Yes, you're right." Ambrosio, <laughs> the bro Ambrosio is the short games dirt bag of the year. Congratulations, Sam Barlow, the entire team at Half Mermaid, wow, uh, and Ambrosio himself. Somehow rare. What a rare double win we've got here today, ladies and gentlemen. Game of the year also has biggest dirt bag of the year within that game. Who would have seen that coming? I know. And Ambrosia was under tough competition from within his own game. The fact that we all just were like, well, yeah, it's Ambrosia was is telling. So yes, congratulations, absolutely. well deserved. Um, I'm going to intro this next one, but I would like some defense of the category repetition from my co-hosts. So we are going to re-up Best Galerius. Would folks like to explain <laughs> I, what that is? I would is? love to. We uh, just last year uh, covered The Forgotten City, uh, which was a, a game that featured a very memorable character uh 
the the character of Galerius, uh, when you would restart the time loop in that game, you would be met by a little uh, handsome bald fellow, a uh, little farmer named Galerius. And uh, essentially, you would give him a to-do list of things to help you with. And he would, uh, with with very few questions asked, run and take care of them for you because I, I'm sure you have a reason for asking me to do these various things. So Galerius uh, has become a symbol for us of a helpful character in a video game, someone who uh, you could tell him to take care of anything and he will help you without asking for explanation. More than an assistant, a Galerius. Yes. I think what's important about a character to make them a Galerius is they have to have two important qualities. One, they have to be a totally solid bro, a good dude, a character that you like to see every time they show up on screen. Their smiling face brings you joy every time. And secondly, they have to have they have to have absolute uh, incredible utility to the mechanics of the game. They have to be important to your ability to carry out your tasks in the game. They're not just there as a optional helper. They are integral to the mechanics. Navi, you are not a Galerius. Yes, Navi is not a Galerius. <laughs> it might be right. that first element, the smiling face that disqualified my nomination, uh, mm-hmm. Bandana Waddledee. Because uh, Bandana Waddledee has no mouth and therefore does not smile. <laughs> and he must. <laughs> and the boat from Far Sail's sequel, uh, the boat needed a lot of care and attention and the boat needed a lot of help and therefore the boat took more time than it helped yes we all had a lot of positive feelings towards the boat in Mm -hmm. a weird sort of projection but it it's not a galerius because it's not a dude uh and i don't mean that in a gendered way but it had to be a solid dude you helped the boat more than it helped you yeah the little your little the um the little guy who gets around in far is Mm -hmm. is is the galerius to the boat yeah yeah that's true (laughs) you are the galerius but it doesn't count as a Galerius if it's you. Like you, the yeah. main character, the, the 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 character you play can't be a Galerius by the rules of Galerium. So um, who does it? This year, I think our best, our the the best I could think of for the best Galerius this year was the gun from the Entropy Center. Here on the short game, we love giving awards to guns. Mm-hmm. So. Here we go. <laughs> so specifically, I'm talking about Astra, the Entropy Center uh, first-person puzzle game in the sort of lineage, very much in the lineage of Portal, uh, has a constant AI companion, a talking gun. Uh, no, this is not high on life. We haven't played that for the show. This is a friendly talking gun that makes cute little comments as you're playing throughout the game. But she is, in my opinion, and I believe she is potentially appropriate here. There's, I don't think it's, I mean, they, I don't know. Um, Astra, the AI that lives in your gun is helpful. The gun is integral to every puzzle and action that you take in the game. Um, and also just a solid little smiley-faced dude, uh, occasionally willing to bend the rules of the Entropy Center for you when you ask uh, or look the other way when you do something that's against the rules, uh, but also there to help keep you on track and uh, occasionally point out things that will be helpful in puzzle solutions. And also just charming. You are happy to see her smiling face whenever she appears, which is most of the game. So I think uh, congratulations, Astra, from the Entropy Center, or the gun from the Entropy Center. You are this year's Galerius of the Year. What an honor. We have to balance out the dirtbag eventually, so I'm, 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 I'm very happy with a repeat. Like, we have a dirtbag and we have a helper. Yes, it's the light mode dirtbag of the year. The, uh, the antithesis. And so with that, we're about to close out our programming year. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us for the short game in 2022. I can't believe that this was our podcast's almost, well, I think this is our podcast's ninth year running. We're about to hit our nine year anniversary here in, in the spring. Yikes. So I know. So I, I love each and every one of you. This is, has been a wonderful journey. 2022 was a wonderful year. Um, and uh, we usually close out the podcast with our wonderful outro song with a little ding, 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 ding. But this year, uh, we are going to give one final award. So uh, I'll play the song in the background, Nate. That award is Most Radical Tune. And it goes to 
We Ain't Come to Lose from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge soundtrack. Nice to meet you, now I'm here to beat you with full force. Mess up your facial features. I still have beast, I'm selling all your little seasons. All y'all stuff your face with is pizza. Pizza crack like a hardball egg on Easter, Easter. See these muscles on me? I could beat your teacher. I'll defeat Leonardo, y'all become the weakest. I take off all of your masks and dismantle your features. Shredder. Featuring Ghostface Killa and Raekwon the Chef. Yes. Oh. It is glorious. Absolutely. Happy New Year, end of year, everybody. Shout out to yes. the patrons. Shout out the to the patrons. I just want to say thank you to those patrons. You make this show possible. Uh, I, I really appreciate it, and, and it's incredible that we have the support that we do. And yes, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, you can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash theshortgame. Every one of our patrons gets access to our Discord community, which is where we talk about the show. We plan episodes. It'd be a great place if you want to uh, chit-chat about our choices or or, uh, or berate us for not choosing the thing that you thought would have been the better Galerius. Uh, we'd love to have you there. And let's see, uh, you can find our show on Twitter at underscore shortgame. Uh, you can find me, I'm not on Twitter anymore, you can find me on mass on at Reagan, R-A-Y-G-A-N, at bird.rodeo. Uh, and uh, Shane, where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at 8BitShane. Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at NateSTL. And Laura, where can people find you? On Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And listeners, thank you all once again for joining us on this year of The Short Game. Yo.